Welcome to Golf Better at Worldwide Golf Shops. Episode 183. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Brussell. Thanks so much for joining us. We say it every time. If you're a first-time listener or long-time subscriber or maybe somewhere in the middle, it doesn't really matter. Either way, we are just so glad that you joined us. Our guest today is a holder of over 20 wins worldwide in his lifetime. He's been a member of three Ryder Cup teams as a player, and he also captained the 2010 Ryder Cup team. More importantly for us today, he is the winner of the 1995 United States Open, which this year is the 20th anniversary of his win. Who else but Mr. Corey Pavin? Corey, it's great having you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, It's good to be with you. Hey, Corey, before we get into it, first of all, the U.S. Open is 20 years. Does it seem like 20 years? Does it seem like, you know, like a year or two or yesterday? Yeah, I think yes to both questions. (laughs) Sometimes it seems like a long time ago, and sometimes it seems like yesterday, but um yeah it's fun you know a lot of people you know mention it you know about the last shot and all that stuff so it kind of stays fresh in my mind in that regard but uh yeah i kind of think about it and i do realize it was 20 years ago yeah at time how how it flies and i want to get into that but first of all i want to ask you a question we ask a lot of our guests because our listeners like hearing it how did talk think about way back when and how you kind of fell in love with this game everybody started the love affair somehow somewhere how did you get involved in golf yeah you know um what happened is my parents were members at a, a pretty small little club uh, where I, in the neighboring town where I grew up, and, and uh, I have two older brothers, uh, and they played golf. And I just kind of tagged along. You know, I started when I was six, and I just tagged along with them, and, and I just kind of fell in love with the game. You know, I was, I was pretty small uh, when I was real young. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I love basketball and all that, but I just wasn't big enough to play on, on the level that I wanted to play on. So golf was kind of my my sport and I just fell in love with it right from the start and uh you know I competed for my first tournament when I was eight and just kind of kept going from there well you were good enough obviously to get you to college in it the UCLA we interviewed Stacy Lewis a few years ago and we were talking about all the youngsters you know that hit the LPGA tour when they're real real young and she said I just don't understand it she goes I love college golf I'd still be there if they'd let me stay tell us a little bit about your time at UCLA and, and the team aspect of the game yeah, you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, we had we had a couple uh, really good teams. Uh, you know, two or three years I was there. You know, we were number one, number two in the nation. We had some other really good players. Uh, you know, Tom Pernice was on the team, and uh, Jay Delsing, and uh, Duffy Waldorf, Steve Pate, and so we had we had we were loaded pretty good there for a while. Um, but it was fun. You know, just the atmosphere of of the team and traveling, and uh, you know, obviously the college atmosphere in general was a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, it was uh, you know, it's it's a great time, and you know, you know, the kids that come out early and don't have the the college experience, you know, they just don't understand what they're missing. But then again, usually those those kids are really good players, and and uh, they can make it out there as a professional. But you know, I look back on it very fondly. It was a lot of fun times, and kind of uh, you know those carefree years where you didn't have to worry about anything, and and uh, you just go out and play golf and enjoy yourself. Well, you got out on tour, and it wasn't long. You made your first Ryder Cup team in 91. What a team to be on. <laughs> we had uh, your captain on, Dave Stockton, on a few years ago, and we talked about the war on the shore. He said he never did like that term. But talk about that experience, because that one, when that when that Ryder Cup was brought to TV and to where it was, it seems to me like it kind of changed everything. Yeah, you know, it was kind of the peak of uh, of interest in it in 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 uh in some form or another it 
you know, the previous couple of years, you know, we had lost and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden the United States fans got very interested because whenever we lose something, then it's like, oh, wait, that existed? You know, you win, you win things. It was like the America's Cup. You know, we won it and won it and won it and then we lost and everybody's like, wait, you know, we can't lose. So I think everybody got interested and, uh, you know, the, as far as the, the Ryder Cup itself, as far as the players and, uh, you know, the teams were concerned, it was no different than any other Ryder Cup. It was kind of the fans that made it quite a bit different, um, I thought. Uh, you know, the fans were, it was kind of funny, you'd walk up to a green and, you know, the right half was the U.S. crowd and the left half was the European crowd and, and they were chanting to each other and, and yelling and screaming and we were just playing golf. So, uh I think it's, it was blown out of proportion what it was, and, and I agree with with Captain Stockton that that name was not really appropriate. You know, I, I didn't, I don't like the name either. But you know, it was it was certainly you know heated competition like every Ryder Cup is, and you know it was a lot of fun. It was my first one, and it was intense as any other one I've been on. You played in two more, and then you got to captain the the ten team. Talk about how that how that played into it. Obviously you're a veteran playing in it, but, uh, but, but taking over as captain, certainly something different. Yeah. Being captain was a you know, great honor and privilege. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to compare playing with being a captain because comparing apples and oranges, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that have played on the Ryder cup team and there's only so many captains. And, and it was, you know, as I said, a great honor and, and a lot of work, you know, it was two years of hard work and, uh, you know, my wife, Lisa did a lot of work as well. And, uh, it, it, uh, it takes up a lot of your time, uh, you know, in those, those two years, but it was well worth it. And, uh, you know, kind of when the competition came, you know, that was the, the part I enjoyed the most, you know, the week of the Ryder cup, you know, all the preparation and stuff is, you know, you need to do it. Uh, and certainly the part for the team and for the competition, it was kind of the most fun for me, you know, the other stuff, you know, you know, I, I could do without, but, uh, you know, the actual talking with the guys, getting the pairings done, uh, figuring out order of play and all that stuff was, was so much fun for me. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, Corey, 20 years ago is why we're here. I want to talk with you about that week, that special week 20 years ago. As, as you were preparing, share with us a little bit about what was going through your mind, I guess before the tournament, because you were obviously playing pretty good. Yeah, I was playing well. You know, I actually just uh, lost a playoff the week before. Um, uh, Lee Jansen beat me in a playoff at the Kemper Open, and, and uh, so I was, I was on very good form. And, you know, I love Shinnecock. It was a great course. I played there in 86 and didn't play very well. But I really fell in love with the golf course. And, uh, you know, we went back there, obviously, in, in 95. And, you know, I, I didn't play a particularly great first round. Um, you know, I I kind of scraped it around, and I think I shot, you know, maybe two over or something like that or three over. And, and I kind of found something on the range afterwards with my swing and and I played very nicely the last three days and uh you know just played well within myself and you know kind of worked my way around the course and if I missed a green I missed it in a a place where maybe it was you know easier to get up and down and that that type of thing so you know I was really pleased with kind of the the way I played and the way I thought my way around the course and managed my game that week. Well, again, going into that final round, I guess in, from that time period between 18, 1986 and 1996, it's that sweet spot where it seems like Greg Norman's lurking around all the time. Lehman and Norman were leading going into the last round. You were like, I believe, three back going into the last round. Share with us about your, your thought philosophy. Was it the, to- the course obviously was playing tough. Was it just make pars and survive, or you had to scrape out a few birdies here and there? 
Yeah, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for me was, you know, even though I was three shots back, there was only four people in front of me. So it wasn't it wasn't like there was 10 or 12 guys I had to pass, and, and that makes it easier. You know, you, it's hard to count on 10 guys playing bad, but, you know, sometimes four guys may not play their best round, and, and that was the case. And, you know, I played well, obviously, you know, shot a couple under, and, and, uh, and, no, and none of the four guys really played played well, you know. But it's a, you know, obviously it's a U.S. Open. It's a lot of pressure, and, and the course was not playing easy, that's for sure. It was a very difficult test, and, um you know, it, I mean, as far as that goes, I was never under par the whole tournament ever. You know, I finished even par, and uh, you know, I was a couple over after a few holes the first day, and and got it back to even, and never saw even par again until I got on the on the 15th green on Sunday. Uh, so it was tough. You know, it was real windy the last day, and you know, I just tried to play smart and you know try to hit the greens if I could and keep it below the hole and. Uh, lo and behold, I was you know a couple under after 15, and I looked up on the board, and my name was on top by itself. Well, Corey, take us through the shot that everybody remembers, the one that we've seen over and over again, that Cleveland VAS four-wood on 18 from the fairway. Yeah, that that shot everybody remembers, and and the reason I was able to hit a hit a, play the 18th hole the way I wanted to is because I made about a, a five-six foot birdie or par putt on 17, which was a, a huge putt, and. and uh, you know that putt gets overlooked a little bit because of the the four wood shot, but that putt meant a lot, and uh, it allowed me to play 18, you know, a little more conservatively. You know, I, I remember cutting my tee shot off the tee into the wind, you know, to keep it straight and keep it in the fairway because that was the most important thing there. So it left me a long shot in, and and uh, you know, I talked to Eric, my caddy, and we we discussed the club, and you know, I asked him if I could get a two iron there, and he said no, and and. I said, I agree, you know, and so we decided on a four-wood very quickly. And, you know, I hit a shot on Friday that was a very similar shot. I had a four-wood and drew it into the, to the green. And, and so I had a great picture in my mind. And you know, I just went through my routine, normal stuff I'd been doing all week and, and didn't try to change anything and just got up and, you know, hit it just right. I knew it was good the second I hit it. And uh, you know, I had to run up the hill to see it land because I couldn't see the green from where I was. I could just see the flag. So I ran up to watch it and it landed perfectly and rolled up and, you know, ended up, you know, five feet away from the hole. It was a good time to hit a good shot. Yeah, it was probably the most the most famous sprint by a golfer ever. Well, I don't know if it was a sprint. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it a fast jog. Yeah, you bent over, put your hand, hands but kind of down, closed your eyes. Can you share with us what you were saying? Well, I was actually you know, gathering myself, but I was also just saying a little prayer and, and thanking God for, for putting me in the situation. And, and, uh, I guess I should have prayed to have him, you know, pray for, uh, letting me, let me make the putt cause I didn't make the putt, but, uh, I didn't need to, as it turned out. And, and uh, I ended up winning by two, but yeah, I was just trying to gather myself there a little bit and, and just take a few deep breaths and, uh, just give a little thanks and, and, uh, walk up to the green after that. Hey, our time is short with you. I want to put you on the clock like we do do with our guests. We did that with Dustin Johnson last episode. Five questions, 50 seconds. Question number one, you're in a Ryder Cup-type four-ball match against Colin Montgomery and Bernard Langer. Your captain walks up, up to you and says, Corey, you get to pick your partner. Who do you pick? Hmm. <laughs> 
Well, that's a hard question. Uh, wow, that's a tough one. I don't know if I can answer that one at all. But, uh, you know, I've played with Tom Lehman, and we were good, and Lanny Watkins, we were good together. And, gosh, either of those would be a, a pretty choice as far as I'm concerned. Number two, you've hit it big. You get, you get one or the other. Super Bowl tickets or tickets to see Southern Cal and UCLA? Which do you take? Well, if the Southern Cal-UCLA game means a lot, I'd go to that one for sure. <laughs> Question number three, you've got the ability to buy some stock in either Rory McIlroy or Jordan Spieth, one or the other. Who do you take? <laughs> Can I split it? <laughs> yeah, the shares will split, right? Not a bad, not a bad gamble either way. Hey, question number four, Corey. Today, could you still be playing or that Cleveland VAS, the Cleveland VAS clubs, the Irons? Because you played them for a long time and you played some good golf with those clubs. Yeah, yeah, I could play them. You know, certainly, I think uh, you know it's you know the balls matched up with the clubs or vice versa. So I, you know, I I'd see how I could do. I haven't hit them for a while but they'd probably still go fine i would think and question number five you've won one major if you got to pick one more that you could win of the other three which one would it be oh i'd pick the masters you know that's that's the one i really always wanted to win you know in essence i'll take the u.s open no 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 qualms about that but uh yeah the Masters is just a special event just because they played on the same place all the time and it's a it's a cool place to go go play a tournament, that's for sure. You did it, Corey. Five questions. Probably a little over 50 seconds, but no penalty. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Before we go, some uh, final thoughts from Corey Pavin to our listeners here on Golf Better. You know, I'd just like to see more people have the opportunity to play golf, you know, to get out there and, and uh, find a way to make it a little more cost-effective for, for people to get out there and enjoy the game. I think, um, you know, that's more important than anything. Uh, and once that happens... There's a lot of things that fall into place. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see some kind of an effort. I don't know how it could be done exactly, but uh, just find a, ma- a way to make it a little more, you know, affordable in, in some ways or, or access in some ways uh, for people to go out and play golf because it, it's a great game and, and it's nice to have people that exposed to golf and be able to play it and, and see how, much, how great a game it is. Corey, thanks so much for joining us, taking time out and walking down memory lane with us on such a special, special occasion. Thanks, my friend, and maybe we can hook up down the road in the future. Yeah, maybe we can. Thanks for having me. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Well, how about that? Corey Pavin on the 20th anniversary of the United States Open win in 1995 and taking us through that four-wood shot. Just just simply awesome. And special thanks to Corey's brother, Fletcher Pavin, our good friend, for setting setting that up. Thanks again all the way around to you, our listeners, as well. We'll do it again next time. We have another episode of Golf Better at WorldwideGolfShops.com. So long, everyone.